0: The message of Jesus does not dehumanize people regardless of their political views or even their religious views. Hey, this is Charlie Stumbaugh, the lead pastor of Cornerstone Church, Colorado. Thank you for being with us today. Be sure to subscribe for our weekly content to encourage your faith. Let's listen in as Pastor Matt brings the message. We are going to be continuing this week in our conversation of faith and politics, this being week three of our four-week series, and we're going to look at the message and rhetoric behind politics and how we can converse within the political arena. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, it says, The tongue can speak words that bring life or death. Those who love to talk must be ready to accept what it brings. I love to talk, and we're going to have a good time talking about this idea of our words when we enter into conversations in politics, in life in general. I especially like how the Message Bible reads this verse. It says, Words kill or words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. There have been times in my life where I have chosen to use words to hurt or manipulate other people. You know, we teach our kids not to call people names because it's not nice. We Tell them not to make fun of people, not to manipulate people to get their way. And why do we do that? Well, we do it because we know that using our words this way can hurt other people. Language creates culture, and the culture in our American politics is one of fear, belittling, degrading. It's feast or famine. Politics in America is about getting an end result, no matter the cost. You see, our politicians have a message they are trying to get us to buy into, and they are willing to use language to bring about death as a strategy to win. Now, the devil has used words to mislead, distract, and derail people throughout history. In the Gospels, we see that the devil tried to mislead, distract, and derail Jesus with words that were appealing to Jesus' human desires, where we find Jesus in the desert. The devil tempted Jesus to satisfy his hunger. He tempted Jesus to misuse his power. He tried to pursue Jesus with greed. These same tactics are being used today, only now they're being used by our politicians, whether they really know it or not. And like Jesus, we are tempted to think of our needs first and to dehumanize people. This is the message our politicians want to convince us of. They use the art of speaking rhetoric to compel us to believe in the issues they are pushing. We have to be willing to educate ourselves and look past the superficial appeal of their message and see the truth that they are presenting something that does not align with God. But our politicians are not the only ones with a message. Friends, we have a message that society needs to hear. But the root of our message must be life. It must be life-giving. So how do we make sure the presentation of God's message, our rhetoric, is life-giving? Well, I think that we need to learn to speak the truth in love. In Acts chapter 17, we find Paul in Athens going to the Agora, where philosophers and debaters would challenge beliefs and exchange ideas. In their lifetime, Socrates and Plato spoke many times in Agora's. Paul saw the value in bringing the gospel of Jesus to this political stage. Now, if we start in verse 16, Scripture says, While Paul was in Athens, he was upset because he saw that the city was full of idols. In the synagogue, he talked with the Jews and with the Greeks who were worshipers of the true God. He also went to the public square every day and talked with everyone who would come by. Some of the Epicurean and some of the Stoic philosophers enjoyed arguing with him. Some of them said, this man doesn't really know what he's talking about. What is he trying to say? Paul was telling them the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Verse 19, it says, so they took Paul to a meeting of the Areopagus council. This council is believed to have originated as the king's advisors. They were prominent political figures within their culture. And so these men take Paul to this place. They said, please explain to us this new idea that you have been teaching. The things that you are saying are new to us. We have never heard this teaching before, and we want to know what it means. Verse 22 says, then Paul stood up before the meeting." Of the council and said, Men of Athens, everything I see here tells me that you are very religious. I was going through your city and I saw the things you worship. I found an altar that had these words written on it to an unknown God. The worship says, You worship a God that you don't know. This is the God I want to tell you about. Paul was very diplomatic in his presentation of the message of Christ to the council members. He did not shy away from having conversations with those who thought differently than him. Rather, he purposefully engaged them. But he approached his conversations with a thought-out plan. He didn't argue, interrupt, or participate in name-calling like we see many of our political leaders doing today, no, he was conscious of his demeanor and educated in his rhetoric. As Paul stood before the council in verse 22, he said, I see you are very religious. As I explored your city, I saw the things that you worship." Now, we just read in verse 16 that Paul was very upset because the city was full of idols, but he chose not to lead with his frustrations, knowing that it would kill the conversation before he ever had a chance to start it. He looked past his obvious objections to idolatry and focused on the message he had to share. Now, in politics... Often Christians get so hung up on what we oppose that we never get to the conversation we're trying to have. We allow our objection to secularism to dominate our conversation. We lead out of frustration, not out of love. In fact, Paul never quotes scripture in this conversation he has with the council members. He knew they didn't believe that Scripture was authoritative like he knew. Tim Keller explains in his book, Cultural Engagement, that while Paul's message was deeply biblical, he never quotes the Bible. Instead, he shows them the weakness and in inadequacies in their own view. We should educate ourselves on the topic or issue and share biblical truths in a way that the listener will be able to grasp. Our compassion and conviction, to play on the title of this book, our compassion and conviction should leave an impression on others. It should resemble the image of Jesus. Now, Paul understood that his words would create life or death in his message about Jesus. And he probably chose to swallow some pride and get to the point of his conversation. You know, Solomon gives us a glimpse of God's view of pride in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34. It says, He will humiliate those who make fun of others, but he is kind to those who are humble. If we turn uh, a few chapters down to Proverbs 16, verse 18, we are reminded once again that pride is the first step toward destruction. Proud thoughts will lead you to defeat. Paul knew the words in his conversation had to be focused on and revolve around Jesus. This was not about his opinion. Paul continues in verse 23 here in Acts chapter 17, it says, bringing attention to the subject at hand. he says, I found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. This is the God I want to tell you about. Paul was focused on the message and framed his rhetoric around truth in love. Now, I love how the Message Bible reads Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. It says, make the most of every opportunity. Be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation, not put them down, not cut them out. Did you get that? The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation. So how do we speak the truth in love? Well, I think we need to remember that no matter how passionate we might be about a topic or, uh, or our message, we've got to remember that should be conveyed as one of love and not politics. Our message should be about the love of Jesus, not about our political opinions, Yes, we can share our opinions, but friends, it has to be wrapped, gift-wrapped in God's love. We We can be and should be involved in the political arena, but even when we are elbows deep in political philosophy, we must remember that our ambitions should be sought after in love. A political agenda should never take the place of love. Taking a stance on policies, whether it is about health care or abortion or gun control or poverty, none of those things should ever overshadow love. Our message should be engaging, presenting the truth in love. You know, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, Paul says that we should be mature Christians. And we should not be influenced by every new teaching we hear from people who are trying to deceive us. Politicians are interested in strengthening their base. They are willing to sell you whatever it takes to get you on their side. You know, in George Orwell's essay, Meaningless Words, he explained how political language is often used in a consciously dishonest way. That is the person who uses them as their own private definition, but allows the hearer to think they mean something quite different. Orwell even went on to give a list of words politicians like to use, such as patriotic, freedom, equality, progressive, These are all words we have heard our political leaders use. And most of the times they're using these in a way that they're trying to sell you something. They're trying to get you on board with an idea that they have to stand with them. Now, politicians will go to extremes. They will use manipulation abuse of power, they will use misinformation, fake news, whatever it takes to win your vote, or at least to discredit the other candidate. Now, when we hear words like these or catchy phrases, we need to take note of how we respond to them. What does that bring out in us? What does it bring out in me when I hear these catchphrases they like to use that tickles my ear? As we learn to cultivate our reactions to schismatic policies, we need to remember that our allegiance is not to a political party, but rather our devotion should be towards God. It's not about being team Democrat or team Republican, right? It's not red team versus blue team. Those things should not take precedence over the love of the Father and His devotion to humanity. Fortunately, not all politicians participate in this type of of deceit, but many do. And again, we need to be cautious. Friends, we cannot allow this type of behavior to impact us as believers. We must be mature in our faith. You see, we have a responsibility as followers of Christ, to present the message of Jesus in a clear, educated posture so that our society can receive the greatest gift ever given. Now, let's be honest. No matter how well we lay out our plan, there will always be people who are dismissive and disagreeable. Uh, We see this even with Paul here in Acts 17. As he presented the message of Jesus to the council, Scripture tells us in verse 32 that after they heard about Jesus being raised from death, some of them laughed. Christ's resurrection is the foundation of our salvation, yet some of them laughed when Paul told them about this. It goes on It says that some wanted to continue this conversation later at another time, but some of them met Paul outside and accepted what he was teaching, accepted Jesus. And I truly believe their lives were forever changed, all because Paul was willing to insert himself into the political arena and have a conversation about Jesus. Friends, our duty as Christians is to present the message of Christ and share how it is woven into every decision we make, every word we say, every issue we stand for. And in doing so, we need to be aware of religious rhetoric that can mislead our conversation and kill it before it ever gets started. Empty slogans. Cliché Christianese, representing a relationship with God void of any personal connection. These things do not represent Jesus well. It's not life-giving. It isn't a reflection of God's love for humanity. The message of Jesus does not dehumanize people regardless of their political views or even their religious views. The message of Jesus brings value to people. It leads to a life of success. It shows worth and love. As we share the message of Jesus, the answer the world is looking for, right? Cuz the Jesus is the answer. We need to have a well-crafted conversation And need to remember that our words will bring life or death. Our words will embrace humanity or push them away. In John chapter 4, we see that Jesus embraced the world with the truth about God and exemplified that truth in love the story goes that Jesus was traveling through Samaria and came to a well that Jacob had built many, many, many years ago. Now, Jews and Samaritans did not live life together. In fact, Jews uh, wouldn't even touch things that Samaritans use. So this well being one used by Samaritans would be a well that Jews would not visit. Yet Jesus encounters a Samaritan woman and asks her for some water. This woman acknowledged the historic disdain that Jews had for Samaritans and was surprised that he asked her for some water. Now, while Jesus' disciples were in town buying food, Jesus has a conversation with this Samaritan woman that the world had turned it's back on her, yet he chose to speak life to her. He tells her what he has not given, or he he tells her what he has given, excuse me, is the water of life and that he is the Messiah. This woman ends up going back into town and telling everyone what had happened. The townsfolk, they follow her to where Jesus is and Jesus then speaks life to them as well. I love verse 42 of John chapter 4 because it says, The people said to the woman, First, we believed in Jesus because of what you told us. But now we believe because we heard him ourselves. We know now that he really is the one who will save the world. Author Stormy Martin said, your words have power. Speak words that are kind, loving, positive, uplifting, encouraging, and life-giving. Friends, as, as you engage in political conversations with your family, with friends, with coworkers, remember that you have a message to share and reinforce your rhetoric with the truth of who Jesus is. As you employ yourself in these conversations, this this book that we have been reading through, Compassion and Conviction, it outlines eight ways to be faithful and effective in our communication. Now, I just want to take these last few moments and I want to share with you and invite you to learn or to lean into these guidelines if you're not already doing so. But the first one That the book mentions is this, that we need to study and be confident. Friends, we need to dig into Scripture and know what it says, and we should read books and articles that accompany Scripture. We should be confident in the conversation we are engaging in. The second guideline is that we should show love and concern. We have been asked by God to genuinely love people, People will not listen to what we have to say if we dehumanize, humiliate, or show no compassion. We should be concerned about people no matter their views. Number three is that we need to be informed. Do the research regarding the issues. Don't just repeat what you've heard. That can lead to all kinds of trouble. Discover why you believe what you believe. Number four, we need to have a plan. I cannot express this enough. We need to anticipate how someone is going to react and the questions that they might have. We need to be forward thinking and formulate our responses ahead of time. The fifth guideline, we need to maintain a hopeful positive tone. Do not assume people will automatically agree with you. You know what they say about assuming, right? Sometimes you're wrong. Again, we should anticipate their disagreement and keep our composure and speak in a way that honors both God and the person or people we are conversing with. Number six, we need to relate to an audience. Speech 101 is all about knowing your audience. Remember who you're talking to. Speak in terms they understand, and when possible, use sources that they respect. We can communicate, like Paul did, we can communicate biblical principles without necessarily quoting scripture. Number seven, we need to be persuasive. We need to know how we are going to walk our audience toward our desired conclusion. We need to do this with the other person in mind. Our conversation should never be insulting or demeaning. We need to present our information in a way that they can receive it. And lastly, number eight, don't hide your convictions. Sometimes we try so hard to not offend another person that we never fully express what we believe in or what our our position is. Again, we can speak the truth in love without disguising our Christian convictions. Yes to taking into consideration this other person, but yes to being confident and having a well-thought-out plan of what we believe in and being willing to share those convictions. We need to be honest about what we believe in and why we believe it. It's possible to agree to disagree with someone. We need to be aware of how we are presenting our beliefs and do it in a manner that is respectful and honoring to those we are speaking to. We should never enter into a political conversation, or any conversation for that matter, without first turning to God in prayer and trusting the Holy Spirit to guide our heart. The message of Jesus, God's message for all of humanity, deserves to be shared, and we should be honored to get to share that message. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have equipped us with the ability to take your message and share it with our world. I pray, God, as we engage in conversations around political issues, around the election, God, that we would remember to take that other person into consideration when we talk with them. God, that we would come to the conversation aware of, educated about the issues we want to talk about, and that we would be able to explain biblical truths and how those truths impact every area of our life, including our political life. Jesus, I pray that you would guide our steps, give us the strength. We thank you for this word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope you have a blessed day. Hey, we are so honored that you are with us today. Remember, subscribe to the show and check out our website at cornerstonechurchco.com for more resources.